Yeah, yeah. I, I always start with recording yes. and then edit it down later. Wonderful practice, especially because you'll get this really rare footage of me cleaning cat hair off of the chair in my bedroom. <laughs> when your wife claims you didn't do it, I have the footage. Oh, yeah, exactly. That'll be handy. So, I normally and, don't work out of this room, mm -hmm. um, but my wife is doing a shiva. Do you know that my wife is a rabbi? You know what? I did. Yeah, because I talked about it in stand-up. Yeah, yeah. Everything I know about you is within your stand-up because oh, well, we've never I actually had a one-on-one. -on -one. Right. We can just end the podcast, though, because everything about me can be summed up in six or seven minutes of stand-up. And at this point, you can even see the vision boards behind me. Oh, and that's my wife. She doesn't like when that picture is out for the world, but, you know. I um, only take the audio, so she's still anonymous. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. how you release it? Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay, wait. I'm going to close the door. Um, no problem. No. Wait, I want you to walk me through your vision board, though. Oh, okay. Because well, that's going to tell me a lot about you. Great. This is actually an old one. I'm bad at being like a weather girl, you know, where mm -hmm. it's like I'm trying to show it, whatever. Oh, I guess actually if I put my hand exactly where it is, which the weather people, that's a really hard job. They don't have mm -hmm. that. But I mean, okay. So. Wait, wait. What? So you have a vision board. You have an old one. Does that mean you can throw it away? Do those things expire? Um, great question. My answer, I have no idea. I mean, I certainly okay. have no authority to opine on these types of matters or anything for that matter. But like, okay, like, first of all, I recently attended a vision board workshop that told me that everything I know about vision boards is wrong. So I like to state that up top because like everything that you're seeing is just terrible. Um, they would have to say that to, to sell their class. Exactly, yes. Yeah. And so um, my cat wants to come in. Is I know you didn't book him officially on the podcast. Oh, it's Mona. That's uh, in or out. Okay, well, up to you. I also talked about having cats, so that mm -hmm. should fit. So, okay. I mean, here's the thing, Aaron. So this is the current one. And I don't like to throw them away because honestly, it's the best visual art I've ever done. I'm not a visual artist, but like, okay. I'm convinced that I am because I, I was a yearbook layout editor, okay? Okay. And so... That I think more than anything has allowed me to be good at vision boarding uh, the wrong way, obviously. Sure. Right. Because I, I don't do trapped space. Trapped space mm -hmm. is like, you know, if there's like something in the middle that can't get out, I mean, it kind yeah. of is self explanatory. I thought I saw the word okay. improv and I was like, oh, this podcast is over. And then I was like, oh, yeah. it's improved. Well, it actually says improve. Yeah. Thank God. So, um, but I mean, I could definitely improve at improv and everything else. I mean, in mm -hmm. terms of famous people, I don't know if you can exactly see, but like Seth Rogen is there twice, mm -hmm. Hannah Gatsby, Jason Bateman, Patrick Dempsey, Ben Platt. Who else do we have? We do have Ellen. We have Joan Rivers, um, an Emmy. You know, I, like I have sure. money yeah, on of course. I Say money is like some good goal, but I, I think it's important to just keep track of it. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, I, I put it there. I used to go to these sound baths and they would they would give you a card that says your intention. And so this one, I'll read it to you. I don't know exactly when it's from. I'm guessing like a year-ish, maybe a year and a half ago, it says, so their wording is, my intention is energy I would like to manifest in my life. And I said, regular calm writing my show and blog. I do not have a blog. Um, performing. I mean, it's been a while. I don't think I actually okay. want to blog. Like, I feel like it's like, okay, I'm really glad we're talking Wait, what year book. did that vision board come out? And which year did the first vision board come out? And this I'm curious about the first vision yeah. board saying Los yeah. Angeles, because that's mm-hmm. where you are now. It's, I'm actually in New Jersey, but I was in Los Angeles at the time. I was in LA. I know it's, it's everything. Everything is. Did you leave us? Well, yeah, but I was always going to leave you. Not you okay. specifically. Um, yeah, I know that it wasn't personal. It was actually just about you. Sorry. This oh, is oh, that makes way, way more sense it, about why we never had a one-on-one. Yeah, I know, I know. But okay, so now we can explain it via vision boards. No, I said regarding going to Los Angeles, I was like, you know, if I can go to law school like away for three years, which mm-hmm. I did many years ago at this point, and I don't mean to be cryptic, I'm 41 years old. I went to law school straight out of college like and grad school, but it was like, whatever in one. And so I was 21 years old when I went to law school. So that was in 2001 to four. And that was three years. And I went to the University of Chicago, which was not where I lived. Uh, I'm from New Jersey. So mm-hmm. my thought was, if I could do that, to be a lawyer, which I then stopped being basically, although I am still licensed, which my mother likes me to tell people, but I don't practice. Um, but anyway, if I could do that by going away, then I could also go away to Los Angeles to like, I don't know, experience and pursue whatever it is we want to call what we do. And I guess by that, it's like, yeah, I do stand up, obviously, mm-hmm. but also like, you know, acting, writing, like the whole thing. Yeah, entertainment. I'm not afraid to say that I'm out here because I love entertainment on an unhealthy level. Like, I think it's okay to accept and because people don't want to accept that. They're like, mm. oh no, I'm just out here being a waitress, but I would love actually. If, if, if it happened, uh-huh. you're like, no, just put forth what you really want and get jump. You got to jump in the pool and get wet. If you want this and you came out yeah. here, like almost like career suicidally to come here to do this, then do it. Right. Well, but I think that, I mean, I don't want to speak for the people who are saying it that way, because I, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I've also heard it that way. But I wonder, like, I've been at times more afraid to talk about my ambition, which actually leads me to one of the things that I don't know if you can or can't see it on the vision board. I know the audio is most important, so I'll mm-hmm. describe it. But on both of, this is the newer vision board, and also on the old one, there are mm-hmm. fortunes because I have high, I have this thing where I don't know how to explain it, but over the past like three-ish years, I found over 100 fortunes like from cookies, but just mm-hmm. like on their own road. Did you find them in cookies? Because then I found over 100 too. <laughs> right. So I found them outside of the cookies, like no okay. Chinese food included just walking around and then i'm like oh there's a fortune and Mm -hmm. that's a fun thing to happen ever and it's a fun thing if it happens one time two i mean assuming i guess that it's not a terrible fortune um but like at at a certain level it's like quite astounding 
Um, and mm -hmm. I'm a data person. I love, I love like I have a spreadsheet with the data about the fortunes. And I also recognize there's the batter Meinhof. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but it's like two German names, I think, to describe a phenomenon about like how once you know of know about something then you see it more so it's like oh i'm thinking about a baseball hat i'm just looking at your baseball hats mm -hmm. um behind you and like now i'm gonna see baseball hats everywhere or like a red car or something like that and so that's basically like a science explanation to account for you know what could be chance or whatever um and and i'm like i'm not threatened by the fact that some phenomenon could be the reason that i have increased the rate at which i've seen random fortunes on the ground like that could be but it also is what it is and by the way for the batter meinhof proponents mm -hmm. the people i've told about my fortune finding arguably on that theory should have also found those fortunes and they did not not really i mean i've had like two or three people you know every now and then like show me something which is always very exciting to me like i i would love for everybody to find these fortunes assuming that they you know bring joy to people as they do to me but the reason that i went on this other than enjoying talking about it in general is that the first one that i found in la wasn't the first one i ever ever found but the first one i found in la was you are ambitious which mm -hmm. you know we could of course have the age-old indie movie debate about like well that's not a fortune that's a statement blah 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 okay fine it doesn't really bother me either way time is a construct anyway but um i say that because we were talking about hiding versus being overt and loud about one's ambitions which i think can be a really courageous act hmm. i don't think we should be afraid of it though because in yeah. stand-up especially like when you're like doing you're actively working at this craft to get to this place where you're like i'll have my own show sure. that's i don't think it's a bad thing to say because then it's like somebody who will have their own show will be like i don't know would you want to work on my show to learn how to run your show yeah because yeah. you now have put it out there that that is a path you want to go down and you are going right. to run into people over the next 10 15 years a lot of people who get their own show you're going to have known from the coffee shop days yeah right that's very true uh i mean i guess you know I, i'm certainly not there yet but like i think of it i mean that's a very kind of practically minded way and almost like you know utilitarian way of of justifying being ambitious openly mm -hmm. and you know my thought is just like it's hard for me to hide whatever it is my real thoughts and feelings are and so to the extent that i don't have to i'm just like yeah i want my own show like mm -hmm. that's what i'm going for that's the reason that I do stand up. It's the reason that I go to acting class and I have for many years. It's the reason I write. It's the reason, I mean, you know, it's, I guess I was going to say it's the reason I go on podcasts, which like, sure, I guess. I mean, it's also like, I think, um, and I don't know, I mean, it, it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be solved by us why it is the case that sometimes this happens, that people are, you know, more secretive about their ambition. But one thought that occurs to me is that like, sometimes it can come across as you're very mercenary or opportunistic in a bad way. And it's like, I can understand that, but like, it's like, 
part of the reason that I'm on this podcast is because I'm pursuing any of this at all. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that I also don't want to know you as the person. That's also true. And so I think maybe part of the reason that there's that there's like a temptation to hide behind, you know, one's own real ambitions is that like, well, it's like you want to be seen as wanting yeah. things for the right reasons or something it's like that. It's only gross when yeah. I see people reach further than they should be at the time. I also think it's important to have a self-awareness of what level you're at and what level you should be pursuing things. So like, if you're in your first couple years of standup, you should be pursuing spots, not so much the show to pitch. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. you're building the strength to have the show. And yeah. so like, yeah, there's fair. like that sort of thing. Like, it's almost like if the kid from high school who should be yeah. going to college ball next, Mm-hmm. is like, why would I talk to college ball? I only want to talk to the pros because I want to get to the pros. You're like, because However, there's steps. Yes, go ahead. Right. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And it's also the case that like, when I first did any stand-up, like literally first time on a stage, and then I think, you know, the next like week or something back on the same stage, mm-hmm. whatever, I was like, yeah, I'm going to need an hour. And I wrote a one hour, one woman show and performed it. And it was like, I mean, it was called a one woman wedding. It was more of a one woman mm-hmm. exorcism. And it's just like, like I have the footage and I was like very much in that, you know, delusional state when I first, first started. And, and that's the reason that I, that I interjected just because sometimes like when I look back at like a one woman wedding or my kind of perception of my own performance at the very, very beginning 2013 when I was still teaching law mm-hmm. and did stand up because somebody had a crush on gave me a spot and I would have shown up anywhere she said including a bridge she was going to jump off of but it happened to be a stand up stage and so, so and then I did it and I loved thing. it whatever yeah really nice yeah but so yeah. <laughs> go ahead but, but at that point, I had that what you're saying, like thinking mm-hmm. like, well, I got to have a show. I need my own hour. I'm, you know, I, you know, because and I think like even though now if I look back on it, I disagree with my own judgments about myself. I also recognize that I kind of needed them in mm-hmm. order to propel me and motivate me in ways that I was not conscious of at the time to get to you know, now and maybe probably two years from now, like I heard, I, I don't know if you know the author, Ali Brosh, um, no. she's great, whatever. But like, this was like from a podcast interview of her maybe like eight or nine years ago that she basically was like, everything that I said two years ago makes me nauseated two years later. So like, I have sure. no doubt that whatever <laughs> I'm saying right now, two years from now, I'll just be like, oh my God. Like, I can't even believe, like, I thought it was normal to, like, take him through the vision boards and start the podcast cleaning the chair, you know? So anyway, so there's always going to be, I think, for me anyway, a version of that, like, shame about just kind of owning your existence at any time. That's true. But that's just growth. That's just growth. I yeah. remember about four or five years into stand-up, I realized mm-hmm. that all four, like, all, like, probably, like, 10, 15 minutes I had built in the first five years, that's the amount of time I built, was, like, not good. I recognize that it wasn't good. And I've now written a bit that I feel is good. And for me to grow, I needed to get rid of all 15 minutes and just accept that I have 45 seconds to a minute that I think is worthwhile. And then I started over again. And it felt like it did feel bad because people are like, 
you know, like people in their first year are like, oh yeah, like I can do 25. You're like, yeah, not well though. But you have to have that moment where you're like, oh no, no, this is the quality I want to put out there. But I yeah. also need to get that 15 minutes of unquality right. to be able to get to the point to know what quality is. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, so you don't have to be sorry. Um, but uh, I apologize all the time. My show is okay, literally right. an apology. People it's called are putting like, up. Were you born gay? I'm like, I have no idea, but I was born sorry. You know, mm -hmm. like that. For I sure. Know for sure. But uh, but you really don't have to be. And I'm very much enjoying you and this conversation and regretting that I ever moved out of L.A. because of you. So oh, I you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I see the error of my ways, but mm -hmm. and I'm stuck like, in L.A. and only L.A. forever. I can't actually leave the city. Limits. Are you from L.A.? No, I'm actually from Tucson, Arizona is what oh, I claim. OK, mm -hmm. that's fun. Is it? What's it like? It's um not fun, but kind of fun. So it okay. is like the one like big liberal city in a very conservative state. So oh. it is like kind of arty. And yeah. so there's like a weird little group of like occult people. And then we have like modern hippies there. I feel like there's been hipsters, whatever hipsters are, have been in Tucson yeah. my entire life. So now that they become national, I was like, oh, yeah, no, we've always had like that steampunk we've, sort of look happen. started in Tucson. In Tucson. <laughs> I love well, that. I really feel like it feels like Portland and it feels like Austin, sure. but it's in the desert. Oh, OK. I love Portland and Austin. I mean, I know that's the most trite statement any person can say. Uh, but I it feel is like true. all of my I mean, friends either died or moved to those cities. You know, right? so you're like, do you have right? friends in L.A.? who did the like Austin thing, you know, that's now a trend. Do you know what I'm talking it's about? moved to people? Austin? Yeah. Yeah, I know a couple. And then there's also, I feel like there's a group of people who haven't officially said they moved to Austin, but they seem to be visiting mm -hmm. for an awful long time. So oh, we'll see when things open up, like who ends yeah. up all over the place. Is there any yeah. intention to ever come back to LA for you? I mean, yeah, like no and yes. Um, because again, I mean, I did see the move to begin with as a three-year thing. And then the three years happened to end mm -hmm. right around the time of COVID. And so whatever, like it just kind of ended up that I moved at a time when nobody noticed in a kind of helpful way, because, you know, I, I don't know whether it's because of making a big splash or whatever. Like, I'm just like, it doesn't really matter where I am. Like we're comedians, we'll travel for work. Like, do you really need that knowledge, you know, not that I'm, I don't, it's not like I don't want to tell anybody, but it was just like, whenever somebody moves and it's like, oh my God, it's such a big deal. It's like, but you trap, like what, you know, just come back for shows or like book a thing or whatever. I mean, I have thought about I if I move back to Tucson, I can get an apartment for like 500 bucks a month right, and just right. tour forever. Yeah. I mean, right. And, and, and so, so anyway, but like, so I'm happy in a sense, not, you know, I mean, COVID obviously has accompanying tragedies and that's very serious, but in mm -hmm. terms of um, the ability to kind of like go back to where I was going, which is home for me in New Jersey uh, and, you know, like near New York, although that's in some ways like a theoretical proximity nowadays just because you know i mostly don't leave the apartment um but uh yeah like i think before covid when i thought i'd be moving back at around the time that covid ended up being a thing i thought 
that's similar to how when I was in LA and I was traveling back and forth, which I did because the woman who's now my wife, who was at the time my girlfriend, we were together that whole time. So I went back and forth quite a bit. When oh, she I never moved LA, back to LA so with you? Was, no, no, she has a job here. And that was always true. And so like, that was always like part of all of the things being in place as they were. But anyway, like my thought was like, when I moved back to here, that I'd travel in the opposite direction, similar to how I did before, which obviously now I don't because I don't know. I mean, I guess some people travel, but like, I, I don't. And, um, yeah, so so sure, in response to your question, uh, assuming that travel becomes a thing and whatever, but, you know, I, I've been actually pretty okay, like, in terms of doing stuff in and around New Jersey, New York. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's it's been good and fine. I wouldn't. It, I've told people that the, the comedy credits transfer to New York. Like, oh, they accept sure. all of that. Like, that all seems yeah. to work out. I'm going to yeah. ask you yeah. a comedy question that's almost not. And that is, I want to know your biggest comedy influence that's not a comedian. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, my mom. My mom is hilarious. Mm. And uh, she, my dad was really funny too. Uh, but like my mom was funny and aware and, and is funny and is aware of the fact that she's funny, which mm. I was always around because I lived in my house. And so, and also like, I don't know, the way that my mom is funny is just kind of like landing a joke in response to a thing that's happening around. And I feel like, you know, to the extent that I've had, I guess, you know, we mentioned improv before, but one of the things, you know, I, I don't know, I hesitate always to talk about like things that I do well in comedy, but like, okay, if we want to put one of those things on the list, I would say that coming up on stage and saying something about what just happened to kind of like say a joke to start. Uh, I feel like I've done that well in my life and in comedy. And I think it comes from my mom. That's great. Yeah, I'm happy your mom's aware that she's funny. Some of the funniest people I've yeah. met my whole life don't think they're funny. And for those right. listening, some of the unfunniest people I've ever met my whole life think ha! they're hilarious. Yeah. It happens, yeah. yeah. It's really funny to see people's level of awareness and accuracy of their awareness, like, yeah. play out. Yeah, I think that's totally true. Yeah. Like, I think watching my grandparents fight is better than any sitcom I've ever seen, ever. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and and not that my dad wasn't funny, because he was, and he did have a sense of humor. Um, but I would say that, for the most part, my dad was more like, funny like a grandparent might have been funny in the sense that, you know, he had a really deep accent. He, you know, messed up his prepositions. He was really like set in his ways in this way that was like, you can't not laugh. I mean, I guess you could not laugh, but then you'd be really stressed out, which was mostly <laughs> what he appeared to yeah. be, which, you know, was funny. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was funny at times. I mean, watching him order grilled chicken at Cafe Gratitude, you know, because he was just so fed up. He's like, I don't understand this menu. And, you know, that kind of, it's just, it's funny. Mm. It's, it's funny. Of course it's funny. Not that there's anything wrong with your mom being something that's greater influenced you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One parent has to have an influence above another in different aspects and different things. For sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
What's your favorite way you waste your own money? Oh my God. It's such an interesting question that you've asked. So at, at various points I've had like a lot of credit card debt and whatever, you know, sometimes like shoes. One time I bought a $2,000 like suitcase, uh, which was like just a wild, this was like briefcase was, like, size or like yeah, airplane. Briefcase, carry briefcase. Okay. Yeah. Literal briefcase, no utility. Like it didn't even have like a strap on bag part. You know, it was just like. Were you able really to sell it for the 2000 again when you bought no, it? No, no. Okay. Like whatever I might have been able to sell it for, a friend of mine who's like very good with money was like, I feel like keep the bag. So I was like, <laughs> okay, fine. And, uh, I don't even know where it is right now. And, but anyway, it was like I, I was teaching because that's what I did for most of my law career was teach. And it was actually after the first whole year. And like my first, first semester was fine. Um, I think I had like a seminar and they were all very, you know, the, the people in the class were like really supportive and intellectually engaged and whatever. And then I had my first big lecture class and it was for our uh, night division. And it, I was just an insecure mess and they could smell it and it was just like so bad and i got my evaluations back from that class and they were awful and deservedly so but you know i started teaching when i was 27 years old and so this was like a really big blow to my ego which i think i i elevated in importance at that time and also even setting aside ego which i do think was a significant piece of it but even setting aside ego i think it was also that i was just like oh my god am i gonna get fired and like all this stuff and so i was just like really really upset isn't quite the word like i just needed to get out and my mm -hmm. friends from college were going to Vegas. And initially I had declined to come with them because I thought I, I don't even know, like, it's just like, I was like, I imagine I'll be stressed. So I'm going to decline your fun invitation, I think was more or less the logic. And I, I then thought better of it because I got these, these uh, evaluations. And so then I accompanied them on a last minute trip, which I'm sure was not cheap to do anyway, to Vegas. Um, and then went on this total waste of money shopping spree on a credit card, including that bag. But the mm -hmm. thing that I bought today, I have a friend who uh, was like, you got to buy, you know how now it's like all the stuff with like GameStop. Do you follow these things with cryptocurrency and whatever's going on? I do. On and I've been buying Bitcoin. I did not buy the GameStop yeah. stock. Right. I should have. But okay. Well, she, my friend told me literally this afternoon. That's why I got so excited when you asked. Mm -hmm. um, was like, oh, buy $10, like download Robinhood. And the lawyer in me has to tell you, anybody who's listening, this is not advice that I, don't sue me. So, or if, you. I, if you do, then I'm going to just use it as a bit. So anyway, but um, she's like, download Robinhood and put $10 in naked, something called naked, because I guess it's been the going juice? up. I don't know. It's N-A- mm -hmm. KD. I literally, it's the worst. I mean, it's $10. So hopefully, you know, it's fine. And I'm not because I have 20. In. I could put 20 in it. And then I'll just double whatever you get out of it. Well, yeah, I mean, if you want to do that, then that's fine. It's gone up even this is literally like Aaron, mm -hmm. maybe an hour and a half ago. And I've made like, I think like five bucks. So Damn. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, so it's not, it's, it is a stock tip, but it's kind of, my friend was like, 
my friend was like, just, you know, do it and short it or whatever before anybody mm-hmm. like finds out. Not not in, in an insider trading. I mean, it's so comical because it's like, you know, it's not like we're dealing with the wolf of Wall Street. It's like literally a friend from my old acting class. who's Yeah, like, exactly. And it's a dollar stock. The, the stock, by right. the way, is going for 138 right now. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it has peaked at four at one point in time. So, yeah. like, because I, I, I pulled it up from the computer right now just yeah. to take a look. So, it's not like this is crazy insider things yet right. but we don't know because this comes out in two right. weeks if yeah. it is 15 by the time it comes out Aaron's i mean rich. it could be the other way you know so yeah it could be a dollar 25 right right so i could be whatever, losing dozens but... of dollars on this yeah absolutely yeah um yeah but that was the last thing i did with money as a lawyer watching mm-hmm. open mic comedy Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anybody do a bit where you're like, hey, that's a lot of libel. You got to watch out with what you're saying up there. Oh, no, not really. Oh, good. Um, yeah, no. I, I came mean, from a medical background and I once saw somebody do a bit that was incredibly medically inaccurate. Oh. And afterwards I was like, hey, you can't, you shouldn't be telling people they can swallow their tongues because they can't, oh, you know, like, yeah, right. I was like, I just don't want you going up there and causing a fear that doesn't mm-hmm. exist. Yeah, well, that makes sense from a medical background. I think, like, you know, the thing about, like, a legal education and kind of being aware, like, there's so, there's such, like, high burdens in terms of something actually amounting Mm -hmm. to a claim that, um, you know, I'm just like, what? Who cares about, like, (laughs) you know, whatever? Not, Not who cares about the comedy piece, but, like, if you're really going ballistic and it's at someone else's expense i think for the most part you know my view of it is just like nobody's listening you know that's also so you're I, right yeah for the six people in the cafe yeah 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 you can be the biggest qa non you want to be there and it's just fine yeah i guess but i mean you know it could be that somebody else would have a different opinion of it um but i i don't think i'm like a litigious person i don't think that it just, it doesn't. Well, I'm just saying so much you know, weird things. And I was like, I wonder like with your more yeah. educated brain when you're watching all this, oh. you just be like, oh, this is, this yeah. person's being way edgier than they think. Cause they're, they're actually crossing yeah. the line. It could be that after we're off the zoom, I might have, oh, like, oh, this kid, you know, I, oh, I, for sure. I guess I feel there could be a thing, but it's not coming to mind. If that, it's not a big enough red flag, then yeah. nothing crazy. Right. Also, I would never tell you because we're being recorded and I'm a good lawyer. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm on a recording with a lawyer. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I actually am not thinking of anything right now, but I, I often think, and I have, you know, jokes about this, um, like related to like, oh, well, I used to be a lawyer. So like, here's the way that kind of my brain works because of that, or here's like what people mm-hmm ring to me because of that stuff like that and you know one of the things that i've said and it comes from really thinking it is just like like when people like get canceled for for writing stupid tweets and all that i'm just like i wish like i don't wish to get canceled but i wish i for even one moment felt that i had the freedom to just write something that might not be brought as an exhibit in literal court because like Mm -hmm. the way that my brain works maybe as a result of law school maybe the anxiety that brought me there in the first place is such that i'm always thinking about it you know like i don't have conversations i have depositions like this is just the way that i see the world is like anything could be evidence 
And so I never thought about it until I did a road trip with a couple comics, and hmm. one of them was really good at finding tweets. Uh huh. And so he was going through and finding everyone in the car's tweets that could cancel them later in life. Oh, that's interesting. I'd love to to know that friend to see if they could find anything on me. That'd be interesting. Yeah, because he just looked up keywords. Uh, right. I'll just tell you how to do it. If you go on Twitter and you go through the yeah. search option, you type in your Twitter handle and then yeah. you look up keywords. And for this person, of course, you're looking up whatever slangs. It will come up with whatever time your name has come across that word. So if I wanted to look up jokes on Disneyland, for instance, I would type in at Aaron at Marsh, type in Disneyland, and you would see every tweet I did with the word Disneyland in it. Sure. So for this person, if he was to type in every word with like the word penis in it, he now has every time I've tweeted the word penis and the tweet that it's in. And he could just go through until he would get to something like because we were like all a bunch of guys. He typed in like the word like gay and like so it was just us being like, that's gay. Uh, 10 years ago but it's also just like well yeah but we're all smart enough now to know that it's like we should get rid of calling like our friend gay as a joke you know like because like that's completely just me being a 21 year old idiot with twitter right yeah and i guess that's i mean again i would be interested and i'd love to know each and every one of the search terms that was used in that um Mm -hmm. but i i doubt that there'd be anything and maybe that's because you know, of my legal background, maybe it's because I don't know why, but, um, I, I wasn't young really when Mm -hmm. I did any of this stuff, you know, like I, uh, yeah, I started comedy. I mean, I'm 41 now. I started when I was 33, four, um, Mm -hmm. something I never remember. I think it was 33 because I feel like it was kind of a Jesus-y move. Well, literally Chicago, but not because I lived there at the time. So I taught full time at Hofstra, which is in New York. And then I was on a visit for the semester to Northwestern Law School, which is in Chicago. And during Mm -hmm. that semester was when I did stand up and it happened to have been in Chicago because those people still do stand up uh, of well, it wasn't like. You mean that I knew at that time? Yeah. But I, I didn't really, it was at an improv theater and the person okay. was an improviser. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know if they still do improv really or whatever, but um, yeah, I wasn't really like in the scene at all. I didn't, mm. I mean, I really did it not knowing like what being a stand-up comedian even meant, you know, like I knew, I knew who Joan Rivers was like mostly from the Muppets movie. I remember Margaret show on the TV in my parents' den and remembering what she was up to because she made fun of her parents' accents and my dad had an accent and I would make fun of my dad's accent. And so I was like, wow, that's like, I resonated because I did that like at home. Uh, Not that I ever, I mean, I'm not saying that I thought, oh, I could do that. I didn't have that thought. I just was like, huh, weird. That's Mm -hmm. like what I do or some, you know, vague approximation of that thought. And, um, but anyway, I really had no idea of like, okay, so then you go to open mics and I didn't know any of the process with it. You mm. know? When did you, when did you get into the process of it? Well, so then I moved back to New York cause that was like where my job was yeah. and where I lived like from that visiting semester. And that was when I'm trying to think, you know, I think at that point I just was like, well, I guess I'll 
I want to do stand up more. And so it might have been that that's when I took a class. I know I took a class, but I'm just trying to think exactly oh the timeline. And I took um, this guy, Jim Mandrinos' class. He's still a stand up comedian. I'm actually like, he produces shows and I'm on a show of his tonight. So, you know, it's nice to still be yeah, in contact with people. Um, but anyway, he taught a class at Gotham and I took it. And that's when I really like learned. I don't know that I applied all of the knowledge at that time, but that was when it was like, okay, so there are these things, they're open mics. This is what you do with them. And you know, that kind of stuff. But I just didn't know. Yeah, no, no one really knows. In fact, I didn't yeah. know how to do that until listening to podcasts. Oh, interesting. And then people were just like open mics. And I was like, what's an open mic? Because it right, didn't, like, right. I didn't really know. To me, open mic was for poetry. I didn't assume that they did sure. it for stand-up as well. Nor yeah. did that really happen in Tucson. Mm -hmm. And oh, so yeah. like, so I had to like look at all those things like, oh, okay, there's one in Tucson at the comedy club. But then like, you start to like hear everyone go, you have to do it every day. And you're like, how can I do it every day if there's only one in Tucson? And then everyone's just so like, well, you got to move. Still, right, right. Is that still the case? Like setting aside COVID, but if we just, you know, February of of the, of the last year, was that true still in Tucson? I don't know anything. From my it. knowledge of Tucson, I believe there was four things a week that people would go on. Mm -hmm. So like it's grown to be four, but it's still not every night. You couldn't do it right. seven nights a week. And generally from Tucson, do people move to L.A. because it's like West? Either L.A. because it's just closer or Phoenix because Phoenix actually does seven oh, nights a week. So that's a common uh, thing, yeah. too. Got it. But I didn't want to move to Phoenix and then move to L.A. because the prices of apartments were almost the same. Oh, is that right? Yeah. It was only like another like hundred bucks. And I was like, well, I'm not yeah. going to go to a city I want to be at less for like yeah, the same yeah. price and still search for a job. So that's what drove me to just yeah. come all the way out here. So when did you come to LA? Nine years ago. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And so started doing it. I feel like, yeah, I guess I started doing it at 29. I just turned 39. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday. And thank you. And it's uh, been doing it out here the whole time. Like I, I don't suggest coming out here to do it, but I don't feel like it was bad that I did. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's also, it's an interesting way of like looking back at one's own decisions in general, but it's also like, so why would you say if you don't regret it, as you said, you mm -hmm. just didn't, then why would you not advise it? Because I feel like the friends that I had that started in Arizona, especially the ones that looked like Phoenix or these other cities where they're going up seven days a week. And there's not a city worth of headliners. We have the whole country's worth of headliners in pretty much New York and LA. So mm -hmm. getting longer sets than seven minutes, I wasn't yeah. doing regularly until about eight years in. These people are doing that regularly about one year in. And so they almost have like these hours they've fleshed out to where right. I've really built things like five, seven minutes at a time and feel like it's sense. chunky. And yeah. so like, I feel like I'm not as well prepared to headline, but I feel like I'm better connected once all of those other things sort of happen. And I feel like it's yeah. really clicked now, but I feel like it clicked later than it did my other friends. Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I feel, um, you know, I, I guess like for me, um, because this career or whatever we wanna call it, you know, pursuit and life and whatever mm -hmm. is, is so different from a career and pursuit of law where 
you know, it's like for law, I knew where to go to school. There was on-campus interviewing. I then got a job and everything's pretty linear. And I even had a pretty like weird path in it that was sort of singular in terms of like how I got my teaching job and like the fact that I had one at all. Like those are kind of like weird anomalous, you know, data points. Um, But even so, it was pretty like this is the track that you're on, you know, that Uh kind of thing. And I think like with this, it's kind of, you know, now I would say I feel anyway, like I have a pretty good sense of my groove in terms of, you know, I mean, back to the vision boards, I don't know Uh that that's exactly a map of what to do, but at the time it did function like one, you know? And I remember, I don't know if you could see, but there's like a, a schedule. Wait, I'll try and it's always the opposite of what I think. Okay. So now like here where my hand is, not that mm-hmm. it matters for audio, but the audio people listening, I just waved completely. She away. is looking directly at me while pointing behind her, like right. a weather person referenced I'm earlier. Just, really? I just want a role as a meteorologist or even a weather person, right? Yeah. I don't um, think I could do that without a monitor to like yes, see. Exactly. So this is, this is my audition and also my rehearsal. So I'm very happy mm-hmm. that we're doing this work. Um, I'm not actually auditioning for that, but maybe I'll manifest it because I'm literally doing weather to a vision board. So there's that. So anyway, but there's right there is this thing that was, that's like a to do, you know, from a pad. I know I didn't want to take too many risks. I'm just like, mm-hmm. I have it. I'm not losing <laughs> No, but it's like from a pad at Staples or whatever. And I found it. I love found objects because I feel like, if I found it, then maybe like God left it for me. Yeah, I was calling for you. Thing. Like I was supposed to. So that's, you know, what's exciting about the fortunes. Are the Chinese whatever. fortunes the thing that you've yeah. treasured the most that you randomly found? Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I ha- and also the sheer number of them is so astonishing to me that it's almost like I'm like, I'm not saying I'm a prophet, but like, mm-hmm. can you prove I'm not? That's all yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? And so so that's that's my tack with it. Um, so yes, those are definitely the most exciting. But when I found the schedule thing, I was like, at that time, and I kind of remember this, which is part of the reason that vision boards are fun to me because it's almost like a snapshot of what I was hoping for at that time in my life. And I remember this was right around when I moved to LA and so I was like integrating into a new stand-up scene. At that point, I knew from, you know, open mics and it's, you know, you want to get booked on shows and whatever. But I, I wasn't necessarily good at like stand-up or at getting booked on anything. Sorry, my cat like wants to get That's out fine. again. Cats are extremely, uh, you know, they just have their own agenda. So um, anyway, so I, I didn't really know what to do. And sometimes I felt at that time, like I remember having this thought and I'm a journaler. So I love that I can like look back and like be like, oh my God, that was like so real for me. But I remember checking my email. This was like when I first moved to LA and everything in my inbox that I could see was spam. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I am so irrelevant. Nobody, like nobody's not even, they're not, not booking me. They like literally, I'm not even on the map. You know? Yeah. And so, so anyway, so I was like, okay, I gotta like really populate my schedule with like taking actions that are in pursuit of my goals. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I found an acting class cause I was in acting class in New York 
um, at that time, but then I would have to find an acting class in LA and the same thing for writing and the same thing for like, what mics do I go to, you know, in LA? What mics did you used to go to in LA? Uh, my first one ever was at a place called Artist Cafe that only existed for like three weeks. And from okay. there, I learned about a couple other ones like this one at a place called Bliss, but that only lasted for a couple more months too. So I felt yeah. like I was just going to all these places right before they were about to close down forever. Oh, interesting. And so, so like, like, I yeah. didn't really have like a thing that felt like a home open mic. I think like maybe the Flappers bar open mic. I feel like I was there three, four nights yeah. a week for the first four or five years of standup. Right. That was the last mic I did before the shutdown. Not the last yeah. standup I did, but, but the last mic that I did. Because I had like, you know, a spot like whatever, one of those like five minute flapper spots in the year. I remember in yeah. January of last year, mm -hmm. choosing yeah. to stop doing open mics at that moment because COVID, like when the boat oh, arrived, yeah. remember when the boat arrived and it was like hanging out in Long Beach and there were like 13 people have tested positive and they're just oh, hanging okay. out there. I was like, oh, this is when it comes over. It comes over by here. And wow. I don't trust That's the perfect. open mic comics to be um, clean. So yeah, I was just like, I, I'm definitely not going to be a part of this wave. And so I, I bowed out of the open mics in January. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know about the Long Beach boat. Um, and I, I, I definitely, I mean, my last thing was March 12th. Um, and that was, it was, it ended up being kind of kosher, you know, for COVID purposes, because mm -hmm. it was at an outdoor venue, which like there, I don't think at least for me, I mean, you had awareness way before I did, but like, I didn't have awareness at that time about outside versus inside, certainly not mm -hmm. to the extent that we do now, but I guess it, you know, it was fine. But I, I mean, I traveled to Portland at the end of January, beginning of February of last year to do stand up, And then I traveled to Seattle right when it was like, you know, that was mm -hmm. big thing, Seattle. And I came back, I think it was March 8th. And that was like my last trip. So pretty, pretty down to like when, you know. Yeah, you went all the way. I had a couple random shows. And I remember that I had one that was like canceled by flappers, but it was like within like a three day window. Like it was like, it was coming up. It must've mm -hmm. been like a Sunday and canceled on Friday. So like around yeah. that time. So I still had a couple book shows. I would do a book yeah. show about once a week in LA throughout that whole time. I was just afraid yeah. more of the open mic people being less cleanly. Um, sure. One final question, because this is only a half hour show, so we're done already. Yeah, oh, um, okay, got just, it. Yes or no, did you always dress like a stand-up comedian? Huh, you think I do? <laughs> yeah, for sure you do. Really? Yeah. Wow. Not to what say, we, I mean, we are like, dressed identical right now, but. Yeah, huh. that's But true. every time I've ever seen you, it's like, you're like in jeans and a shirt. And then there's like the, the business jacket on top of the casual clothes. Oh, that look. Interesting. Okay. Which I do too, by the way. Nice. I, I don't know. I mean, no, I don't think always, but in terms of that look that you've just described, I mean, to me, that sounds like a very nice outfit and mm -hmm. certainly something that I would want to watch somebody on a stage, you know, performing. I love a crew neck. You know, so mm -hmm. I'm into that, whether whether there's a blazer or not. Sometimes I don't like a blazer. It just depends on the feel. You know what I mean? I really value comfort because, you know, I got to feel free. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. So I guess yes is my answer. <laughs>
Liz Glazer, everybody. Liz! You can find her, by the way, at Liz Glazer, exactly how you think it would be spelled, but I'll spell it out. L-I-Z-G-L-A-Z-E-R. DearLizGlazer.com if you want to find her on her website. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Not, not only did she win the, the Boston Comedy Festival this year, which is huge. It's one of the biggest festivals you can... I mean, there's one of the biggest festivals in the country for comedy, for those that are on the outside of comedy and just learning about it. But I think being a lawyer in comedy, even though, like she said, she wasn't practicing, man, comedians get in trouble all the time. This is just the best way to get her business card out. Her fallback plan is perfect. Her fallback plan is being a lawyer. Think about that. What's that even? <laughs> I'm almost upset that I thought of this now two weeks after we had the conversation. I'm like, ah, I should have talked to her. But, I mean, you saw it. It was a great conversation. And she's the easiest person to talk to. You, you set her up, and she runs with the ball. It's like having a running back. Every time you hand off the ball, she runs 80 yards. Easy peasy, fun times, a lot of laughs. Love having Liz on. So happy, like, did a show with her and was like, why haven't I had Liz on the show? And now I have. It's perfect. Guys, next week we have Jericho Davidson. Jericho is returning. You may remember him, his first go-around on this podcast. But Jericho is the closest thing that I have to a brother that's not literally my brother. Jericho and I met in eighth grade, and we've been friends ever since. And I can't imagine not being friends with this man for the rest of my life. This guy is, I mean, we call each other brother, we say we love you, and we mean it on both sides. Jericho Davidson, my brother, returns. We've decided the episode's called Jericho 2, Son of Jericho. So, look forward to that. Jericho, by the way, everyone who knows Jericho loves Jericho because he has an amazing 10 out of 10 personality that you'll be able to experience again next week. Um, What was I going to say about Jericho? I remember when Jericho first started doing uh, comedy. He started in Tucson, and there was a man named Gary Hood that ran Laughs, and they said something to him. Or they were like, he was on stage. And and I remember Gary looking over at me and goes, you have to write jokes. Jericho's just got this winning personality. <laughs> and I, uh, I'll never forget that. That's That pretty much describes it. So Jericho Davidson coming up. Be excited for that. I love doing these intros a week before because I feel like, you know, if you guys are listening and you guys know who these people are, you're excited. And if not, you know, like, good. If you really like a guest, go back to the episode before and hear what I say about him because I do say stuff. Um, guys, and I've, of course, as always, I am Aaron M. Marsh, and you can find me on every social media like that. I've made that across the board. I still have stickers and pins. Um, I'll probably be saying that for a whole nother year. I ordered a thousand of them, you know, (laughs) so, so guys, get used to hearing me say that. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast if you haven't. Uh, I was my birthday a little bit ago, and I did ask for people who have not rate, reviewed, or subscribed to do that. That's what I wanted for my birthday. If you're a listener and you haven't done that yet, please do. It actually really helps. It's the the simplest thing you can do to help this out the most because it helps me beat the algorithm of the internet. Guys, as always, thank you for listening and thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong, whether I find
find a place in this world I'll never be long. I've got to be me.